You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Okay, last Sunday we started thinking and um, uh, getting ourselves to contemplate what the import of that first chapter of the book of Revelation was saying when the Bible says the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants. You know, talking about things which must shortly take place. And we saw the importance of the revelation of Jesus that even Paul the Apostle in his ministry from Galatians 1, we looked at it as well. Galatians 1.15 says, When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. The 16 now says, To reveal his son in me that I might. So we saw that the revelation of Jesus is fundamental, it is foundational, it is not negotiable. He must be known. In fact, John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that we may know him, the only true God. Praise the Lord. And Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. This is eternal life. And we began to see from that particular chapter that the Jesus that John saw or encountered in that environment at that time was not the Jesus he placed his head on his bosom. This was a totally different Jesus. This was the Jesus glorified. This was not the Jesus, the son of Mary. This was Jesus, the son of God. Praise the Lord. And, and as we looked at that, I pray we'll have time to continue to look at the letters in particular. But this morning, we, we still want to take time and look at just that Jesus so that we don't, you know, quickly get out of that. Because it's not something we can handle even if we spend the rest of our time, every two hours we have together to look at it. We can't achieve all there is, but we can provoke ourselves to a desire, praise the Lord to know him and to know him the way he is to be known. As we're going to see as we continue in this study, we're going to see that indeed that is all there is for us to do. Okay? The Apostle Paul reading, let's get to Philippians chapter 3. Let's see what Paul said there. Okay, let me read from verse 1. He said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. He said, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I am also circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Seven, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss 
for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Can we see it here? It says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count how many things? All things lost for the excellence. The things are not lost, but for the because in pursuit of the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. That is why I count them lost. Are we seeing what he's saying there? I count them lost for. It's because. So I want to hold this. And for me to be able to hold this, I'm dropping that. They are not useless, but because of the desire I have. I continue read. It says, For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. 12 says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. 14. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. You know, we see here Paul repeatedly emphasizing that there is a goal, there is a pursuit. Last Sunday, we talked about the marvelous beginning, what is behind us. And if care is not taken, we looked at the theme better than average. How many of us remember? How many of us checked up to see whether what I said was right? Better than average. It says a illusory deception or something. Psychology, you know, has studied that. So we can get comfortable in the fact that we are not where we used to be. Praise the Lord. Because we look back, many people are where we used to be. So we have done better than a lot of people. But the truth is this, God did not call us out from where we used to be just to be out from where we used to be. He called us out to get somewhere. Praise the Lord. So we see Paul here speaking from verse 7. He says, but what things were gained to me? What were these things that were gained to him? They were precious things. They were things that were noble. They were achievements, attainments. A Pharisee in the time that they are talking about. Now, when we call someone a Pharisee, we might be saying he's a hypocrite or he's a pretender or he thinks he's more righteous. A Pharisee was the most noble title a Jew could have carried at that time. So, but Paul had attained that right here. He's saying he's counting it as nothing. Why? Because he wants to gain Christ. It says, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. I don't know if somebody is already seeing something here, but let, let me just finish this and see. It says, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain what again? The same Christ, that I may gain Christ. Now he says, I'm being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the Lord, but that which is true faith, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Ten now goes further, that I may what? 
know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So what does Paul want? Can anybody tell me what was it that Paul wanted? What was Paul's goal? What was Paul's desire? What was Paul's pursuit? Christ-like to know him. So in all we are reading, did you see anywhere where Paul says, I want to build a big church. I want to have a big house. I want to be better than the rest. Do you see anything like that? He kept emphasizing, kept going back, that I may gain, if I gain Christ, how are you going to know? That I may know him, that I may come, you know, to the level of knowledge of Christ Jesus, my love. I want to attain this. This is what he wants to attain. And we look at this and we see a man who they revealed Christ to. He was not stupid as we're going to find out. Because you see, somebody noted that if you read the Bible, all the people, all the men, all the people in the Bible, that God showed heaven, they had an attitude concerning the earth. The reason you and I struggle so much about the things that are in this passing world is because we've not seen the full picture. Are you with me? When you see the full picture, you know that there is nothing to hold on to here. The Bible says Moses endured as seeing him who was what? Invisible. He said he was able to forsake the passing pleasures of Egypt. Why? Because he could see something greater. He could see the promised land. Paul here, writing on behalf of every Christian who is born again, is saying that everything, all things, good things, not bad things, so bad things, yes, but more importantly, good things, are counted as nothing, what? For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. So he's saying to get this degree, to attain to this level of intercourse, of interaction, of knowledge, or experience of Christ, I can give up anything. So when a man, when a person, a child of God, is in a position where he has one desire, and one desire only, he's not being over-spiritual. He's just being reasonable. That's what we looked at in Romans 12. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice, acceptable unto God. He said, which is what? It's not super spiritual, it's reasonable. If you see him, that's all you're going to pursue. Praise the Lord. You know, one of the parables they told us about the kingdom is that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found treasure in a field. And what did he do? He left with joy. He hadn't even bought it. Just finding it, he had joy. And then he left with joy. What did he do? He went and sold all that he had. Was he complaining that he was losing anything? No. He sold all that he had, still with joy, and ran back and bought the field. Why? Because of what he saw. Tell yourself, that's why I must see him. Because, you see, if you don't see him, everything we're saying is just going to be running circles in your head. You know, we're going to try, this person is going to try to be encouraging you. Everybody's trying to encourage. But when you see the vision, when you see where we're going to, when you see what he has prepared for you, that's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, it says, we all with unveiled faces, beholding us in a mirror, what? The glory of the Lord. What is happening to us? Are being, what? Transformed into the same image. Now, that transformation is as a result of what we are seeing. If we are not seeing the glory, there will be no transformation. Is somebody with me? That's why we must see the glory. 
Praise the Lord, somebody. Can you give us the um, NIV of that? It says, and we all with unveil, who with unveil faces. What are we doing? Contemplate the Lord's glory. You see, the only part that you and I play in it is the unveiled face part, which I hope we'll be able to get to, and then contemplating his glory. Once we do that, the transformation is automatic. Are you with me? Once you see him and contemplate him and see, you know, meditate on him, behold him, stay on him, the transformation is automatic. Let me tell you what happened last night in my house. You know, a few years ago, my trousers had enough space for me to do karate, you know, and all kinds of things. Now, I noticed everybody, you know, cloth makers, suit makers, and everybody started making their trousers small. But I refused because I like the comfort of moving, you know, the way you want. So I got a pair of trousers that was as free. And when I tried it on, my wife didn't say where, so she said it's okay. I was very happy that now she's, you know, approving this trouser. But when I wore it, tried it on, you know, to wear it today, she said, please don't wear that thing. Now, what has happened? Those trousers are more comfortable than even the one I'm wearing. But the problem is this. We have been seeing tight trousers for long, that the ones that are not tight are no longer desirable. Nothing has happened to you. You have just been beholding. Second pro, you have just been beholding. Nobody touched you. You've just been beholding. You see this person is like this. See this person. Then all of a sudden, when you go to the tailor and the tailor makes it, he said, "No, no." He said, "Reduce it." What has changed? You have just been beholding. When you behold him, when you contemplate him, you will wake up someday in his likeness. Somebody say, "Amen." That's what it is. It says we all with unveiled faces. The challenge, which I hope we get there, is that many of our faces are unveiled. And the problem with that veiled face is that we have so many things blocking our view of him. We have so many things we want to get. So we don't see him. We have coming in, you know, into Christianity. There are so many things that are and it's understandable because for me, you know, at a stage in my Christian life, I thought all that God wanted would do with a man like me was just make me very rich and just make me bless people. That's what I believe God had in mind for me. Okay? Because, I mean, I liked money. I'm an inner woman. I'm an accountant. I was a banker. You know, you understand what I'm saying? So, if I had an option, what type of transaction would I do with God? Just make me richer than I would have been if I didn't know you. Then now I know you, I will now use the money and also serve you. That was my offer to God. Do you think he took the offer? But that was my offer. Now the challenge is this. I could have had that package before my eyes. I would never have seen him. Is someone hearing me now? When you come to God and you have a picture of what you want him to do for you before your eyes, your faces are not unveiled. If the faces are veiled, you will never see him. That's why you can see a Christian, 30 years, no change. He's just growing with more tricks, more attempts. No joy, but a lot of schemes. But when you come, like I did, you know, 
and you try this way, try this way, you see that this God, Nababa, is a bit more than you. And then you get to the point where you surrender. You say to him, Lord, whatever you want to do with my life, I'm what? I'm ready now. That's when you begin. That's when the veil is taken away. When you say to God, if your calling for me is to be houseboy, all I need, I just want to know you. Do you know that Joseph had to pray that prayer? We had a program for the ladies yesterday, Dream Again. Do you know that if Joseph kept that, his initial dream before him, he would never have fulfilled the ultimate dream. He had to unveil his face. He had... Joseph left his house as the favorite, became a slave. You know who a slave is? A slave in the time we are talking about is a property, not a person. A slave could be sold, battered, you know, you could do anything with your slave for your pleasure. That's who he became. How do I know that, brothers and sisters? I know that because he excelled in it. He could not have had the attitude to excel as a slave if his face was not unveiled. When he became a slave, he wore the garment of slavery as if it was an attainment and said, this slave, I'll do it well. We all with what? Unveiled faces contemplate. So you take away the veil and you begin to sit down and look. Who is it that I've come to? That's why we must know him. Because you see, I've realized in life that no matter the way we picture it, I can tell your judgment of God. On Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday when we were rounding up. I was trying to say that the reason I obey God in some areas, or I don't obey God in some areas, is my measure of his greatness and his capability. It's as simple as that. Now, you know, there are some things that God says to you. Imagine now. You know God, the Bible says, he that wins souls is what? Is wise. How much effort have you put in to winning one soul? Some of us in the last one month, or even in the last six months, and we say invite people to church. But if you had a contract now with a bank and they said, if you bring one customer to us, we are going to give you social amount of commission. And you have friends that have that type of money. What are you going to be doing? You will visit them. You will laugh with them. You will smile with them. You will play with them. You have one goal in mind. This guy must follow me. What are you seeing? You are seeing the reward. When God speaks, we don't respond because we don't see God big enough to give us the kind of reward that will inspire us. The other side is the same. When God wants also, we don't run from the things he wants us from because we don't see God, you know, tough enough to really, you know, cause us some pain. So when God says, don't do something, you look at it, God doesn't want me to do this, but I feel like doing it. I beg, I know we would, then you do it. It's because you know wood, you don't know God. If you know God, you will be wood and you become termite, but not disobey God. Is someone hearing me? I'm talking about knowledge. It says, we all with unveil contemplate the behold. We ask, who is this God? Jesus said to them, for those who, who went here on Wednesday, just for your help. Jesus said to the disciples, it says, I will show you whom to fear. You know, these are some things you learn at an early stage in your Christianity that transforms your life. It changes you completely. Jesus said to them, I will show you whom to fear. Imagine your father sits you down. Say, let me tell you who to fear. He says, don't fear the one that can kill only the body. And after he kills the body, what? The soul is free. You know, death is actually a separation 
of the spirit or the soul from the body. That's what death is. So death actually sometimes is a messy intervention. When somebody is in extreme pain, I have some medical doctors here, or they'll explain better if I miss. Death is an escape when the body can no longer bear the pain. So the soul leaves the body with its pain and moves on. God says there is somebody that after the soul has escaped from the body to survive the pain, he will catch the soul and give it the type of pain that does not end. He said that's the one you should fear. So when God says do or don't, and man says, that's why the apostles could say to them, judge amongst yourselves now. Should I rather obey you than God? <laughs> what will you do? You'll kill me. You'll cut off my head. After I cut off my head, my soul still has head. But when God deals with me, I show them the type of dance they dance there. It's not the roof that is on fire. The feet, the feet, the feet and body is on fire. The feet, that's the dance they're dancing. <laughs> and it's not for two hours. You don't want to go there. Tell your neighbor you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. Hell is real. And for somebody listening to me now saying, this man, why are you talking about? I have to tell you about hell because hell is a messy intervention. What did I say? Hell is a messy intervention by God. You know why? Hell is the only place where there is no iota of God's involvement. Hell is where people who say to God, we don't want to deal with you. That's where they go. Did you get me? That's what hell is. Hell is where God allowed men who have, you know, strived and pushed for independence from him. So we don't want you. We don't want you to rule over us. We don't want your intervention in life. We don't want anything. Just go, go, go. Leave us alone. Hell is where those who said to God, leave us alone are. And how do I know that? Hell is a place where there is no love. God is love. How many of us have been in uh, prison detention? No, let me not use prison. Detention, police cell before. If you've been in police cell... Is a loveless, you see, Nigeria is bad, eh? but don't enter cell. I think I read an article somebody wrote before. It said, please, whatever police does with you, just don't allow it to get to the point of going to cell. If you enter cell, you will see wickedness of the highest order. You know why? As men are separated from regular society, the manifestation of lovelessness. What happens in cell? That's why every cell will have, in those days, they used to have Gaddafi or Saddam, Putin. <laughs> you know? When you get in there, you see man's inhumanity to man. You will think that people who are suffering will gather themselves together and help one another. No. Inside that place, wickedness is taken to another level. Why? Because these are people, ideally, who have said to the normal society, we will not abide with your rules. So when you get there, you experience it. Okay? But heaven on the other side is the place where those who, while they were here on earth, were longing for God's, you know, closeness, for God's relationship. They want to be with God. So ultimately, God says, your desire is granted. May that be your portion in the name of Jesus. So you're forever with him. That's the beauty of heaven. Is that we're with him. No interruptions. No house rent. No sorrows. No sickness. No pain. Can somebody say, thank you, Jesus? That's what heaven is. But do you know the most beautiful thing about heaven? Is that Jesus will be there. That's the most beautiful thing. Because you see, the beauty of the Lord, the, the psalmist talked about the beauty of holiness. The beauty of the Lord, many of us have visited, you know, cities and in particular Dubai, you know. And when you go there, without even, I, I don't know whether people actually 
watch movies in Dubai. Just driving around Dubai is a movie. You'll just be like a bushman. This is how you'll be turning your head. There was once we went, we were on the flyover. And to my surprise, if you see the tiles they used under this flyover, that's the type of place that people live in Nigeria. That's those fly. If you see the quality of tiles they used under flyover, this is how my head was turning. I don't need to watch movie in Dubai. I just watch Dubai. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you see, the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of our God, is so wonderful that in heaven we'll continue to contemplate. So how did the psalmist say this again? That I may dwell in your house and what? Behold the beauty of the Lord. You see, it's continuous. You keep seeing his loveliness. You keep seeing his excellence. You keep seeing his majesty. But we don't have to wait till we go to heaven. Praise the Lord. We can begin now to see the beauty of the Lord. That's what we are talking about. Hallelujah, somebody. That's what uh, one of the deacons, Stephen, that's what he saw. And he didn't say, Lord, please, please, the stones are aching. I'm hurting. Save me. What did he say? He said, Lord, please, receive my spirit. As for these people, don't even commit this thing to them. Why? Because he had seen glory. Tell yourself, I want to see glory. I want to see your glory. Praise the Lord. So this morning, we want to further provoke ourselves to have that hunger, to know this is what the whole thing is about. It's the knowledge of him. It's to gain knowledge of him. Because in the times that we live in, if we don't get it, oh, there's going to be a problem. Let me give you some you know, things that happened in the past week. So you begin to understand. Every Sunday... Okay, most I pray for Nigeria every day and I pray for the churches and I pray, you know, all of that every day. But in particular, every Sunday, I ask, Lord, please, as your people gather, protect them, watch over them, you know, especially the things that are happening in the north and all of that. And to my surprise, last Sunday, by evening, I mean, I was so happy, you know, nothing happened. By morning, I was also happy. But Monday evening, I was watching the news. And I heard that 40 worshippers had been kidnapped from a church in Kaduna. I mean, it was disheartening. And the first thing was like, what kind of sin am I? That even my prayers are not even going anywhere. I mean, it was so disheartening and almost discouraging. But do you know what happened? At the lunch hour fellowship on Tuesday, a sister that I was sharing, Dickness Vicky, oh no, said that if, I don't know the way she put it, that just to put it in short, she said, if you don't guard your heart, you will pray and the things you see will be the oppo- a very opposite of what you prayed for. Isn't that what she said? You know, now, who does that? How did she know what I was thinking? I get what I'm, t- I'm going somewhere. Because what I'm trying to bring you to here is something that when you hold, it will carry anywhere. It's the knowledge of him. It's not the knowledge of things. Is someone with me? It's the knowledge of him. Now, God did not answer that prayer that I prayed. But God answered the question of my heart. He answered the meditation of my heart. God, why? And somebody was sent to say, if this doesn't happen, you will pray. You watch the news. That was what she said. Say you put on the news and see the exact opposite of what you prayed. So God was saying to me, my son, even though I didn't grant you exactly what you wanted, I know what is in your heart. I know what that did for me immediately. It gave me a peace. Because I knew that he is omniscient. 
He is omnipotent and he is what? Omnipresent. So it's not out of capability that that thing happened, but he knows what he's doing. So today, I just want to take a few scriptures and bring you to the place where we see and begin to prepare ourselves and be strong, okay, in our inner man to be able to navigate through the times that we are in. Is somebody interested in that? Praise the Lord. Another one I also say, Deborah, also during the week, I read this about, you know, Deborah. Deborah was the young lady that was, um, you know, uh, was it stoned or, or burned? Stoned and burned, okay. Now, some Christians went to visit her father, the family, you know, just to encourage them and to comfort them. And, to, and this Christian said they left from there, they themselves being comforted. Because the father began to tell them that Deborah or Deborah was not killed, that Deborah was multiplied. That since her death, first of all, from amongst the family, the, her relatives, many have become more devoted believers. But amongst the Muslims, many have been giving their lives to Christ. Isn't that what we prayed here? That this death will not waste. It will, that was the word the father used. It says, Deborah didn't die. Her life was multiplied. Now, you see something like that. You begin to see that this God is deep. What did I say? This God is what deep. This God you call on is deep. This God you have a relationship with is deep. Now, let me move to another side, and I, I hope everything will be tied together. Our ACs are off now. Very soon, if they don't come back very soon, you know what is going to be happening. You start sweating. And is sweating good? Sweating is not good. You see, you don't know your biology. You don't know basic physiology. If the body does not sweat, you overheat. Sweating is not the problem. Sweating is a process that God has put in the body to solve the problem of heat. Now, if you look at life based on, you know, mechanics, once you see sweat, there's a problem. No, sweat means that the body's temperature is going up. And the body has to open its pores to release water. When that water comes out, out on your skin, it evaporates. That evaporation produces a cooling effect on the skin. I need a degree. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Shivering. You're cold, you're shivering. Right? That shiver, you know what it does? This God is too much. Do you know why the body shivers when it's cold? The shivering is to generate heat. If it doesn't shiver, it will freeze off immediately. So the shivering is to generate heat to keep the body warm. That's why when you're cold, you know, if you have opportunity, you do like, but normally the body on its own will begin to shiver. And then you can see the pores, you know, they're tightening. They're blocking every hole so that they can keep the body warm enough in that environment. But you don't know. We don't know. So we say shivering is a problem, whereas it's a solution. Sweat is a problem, whereas it's a solution. But it is knowledge that is the issue. Now, having said all of that, I want you to look at the Christian life, the life of the Christian. The Christian that doesn't know God will call a lot of things problems that are not problems. That are, at best, that are processes. Are you with me? At best, there are not problems, there are processes. You know why? You see, Holy Spirit, help us. 
The knowledge of God begins where the Bible begins, that God created the heavens and the earth, isn't it? The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, okay? So the earth has a designer, okay? And this designer of the earth, this maker of the earth, is who? Is our God. And he made our thing, John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, okay? 2 says... He was in the beginning with God, three. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. So, Jesus, the Son of God, is the one through him and by whom all things were made. Now, this Jesus now dies for me to save me, and he's the creator of all things. I begin to ask myself, okay, if the Almighty laid his life down for my salvation, can it question can a scenario rise up in my life that would be a difficult situation that the almighty will put his hands on his head i'm wondering waiting i go do for ikenana follow me is it possible are you sure it's not possible no also because it's the maker of all things okay genesis 1 26 and 2 28 says let us make man in our image according to our likeness okay so man was not a byproduct of something god was doing man was intentionally designed and made by god i follow me so god like um, this um our sub speakers okay they look very much like platforms and oftentimes i feel like standing on them okay but the designer what did he design it as okay as a sub speaker Now, I could stand on him, but that's not the desire. When God was going to make you, he said, let us make you. Let us make Ikenna. What? How? In our image, according to our what? Likeness. Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Now, this God that made us, that made you and I, do you know he had, he coded us. Today's word, they don't use programming again. He programmed you. He programmed me. Are you with me? He wrote the software for my living. He wrote the software for our living. So there's a code. There's actually a code, a DNA. Okay, for our living. Now, what did he say? What was this? He said, let us make man in our, according to our. Now, the implication of that is that a complete man, a successful man, a fulfilled man, an accomplished man is a man that is what? In the image and what? Likeness of God. Anything short of that is what? Failure. Hello? Are you with me? So God said, let us make you. Let us make you. Let us make you. Let us make you. Okay? So let us make man in our image according to our light. So they, they pick up um, Pastor Nat. And God looks at Pastor Nat. How do I make Pastor Nat to appear in my image and according to my likeness? Okay, there are several routes he could pick, but he gives me a wife that as for Sonat is in all that holy, holy, holy. The wife will just hook him by the trout. Say you're not going anywhere today, Pastor Guinea. You have not given me seven thousand that I need to do this. Now, God, where He is, can solve that problem by giving Pastor Nat seven billion, and He will give the wife seven million instead of seven thousand. He has solved the problem. But that has not made Pastor Nat in his image and likeness. So that problem arises. What does God do? He's looking at Pastor Nat. He gives him his Holy Spirit. So Pastor Nat's trousers are held like this. He has the option. 
of swinging his hand and bringing a hot slap. The other option is let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal, but made himself of what? No reputation. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. So when the wife holds him by the trouser like this for 7,000, he knows he doesn't have. He sits there and says, honey, understand. You see, I know you need this 7,000. Okay, but I'm doing my best. Please bear with me. I'm going to go out and work harder and earn 7,000. What has happened? God will call the angels, say, our project is working. Did you see that man? Our project is what? Working. But you know what? Because we don't believe God is involved in our lives, when anything happens, we want our own solution. That's what we want. That's what everybody wants. You want your own solution. You want it to be the way you want. Forgetting that you did not bring paper and say to the architect, design me like this, design me like this, put me here. No. You found yourself. You discovered yourself. You just found yourself. He's our maker. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are the people. The, the psalmist said, it is he who has made us, not we ourselves. So the one who has made me, what does he want to see from me? Let nobody deceive you. God did not make you to be rich. I know some people don't like me for that. God did not make you to be mighty or to be notable. That Those things are that, that on the side. God made you to be in his image and his likeness. God made you to remind people of him. And to remind the angels of him. What is man that thou art mindful of him? You see, God made you so that heaven will be looking at you. And be saying, God, what a marvelous creator you are. That's why God made you. Now, when you begin to understand that, you begin to interpret situations and circumstances correctly. You know that what God is looking for, everywhere you're found, is to see his program unfold. (laughs) Hallelujah. You see? Having said this, let me tell you something. The person who believes this is not making excuses for God. In this scenario now, we're not saying that God is glorified in the incapacity of 7,000. No. We're giving God the right of being God. You know what it means to be God? He owns everything. Have you had friends who are very, very wealthy? Sometimes they can be the most nasty people you know. They're just mean. Why? They are rich and you're not they have it and you don't have it you know so they behave anyhow but god isn't like that god is intentional and also. so it's not that god can provide the seven thousand why because a christian who also believes that god is the creator of all things must not understand that if god created all things listen if you're in nigeria you should understand if our central bank hey how many nigerians are here if our central bank can tell us that they're bringing new currency we should submit old currency. And we submit old currency. And then they bring new currency. And you don't see the new currency. Then while you're there, they take the new currency. And then give you the oldest currency. Do you see the Naira notes that are in circulation now? That's so terrible. And why do they do it? That government, whatever they like. That's it. They just do what they want. They just do what they want. Would have thought that by now, you know, we're just having, you can't see the new notes. The old notes that we're okay, we're manageable. Everything you're seeing is the ones that they brought up from burial ground and uh, sewers and, you know, all kinds of, that's what is in circulation. And then the government looks at you and ignores you. They have no explanation. Now, do you think that the central bank, and you know they've been printing money, that idiot means this thing that we watch in movie. It's happening in Nigeria. 
Okay, now, if a government can raise money and produce money even when they don't earn money, the creator of the heavens and the earth, you think he can give you money? I want you to understand something. God has all power. Are you with me? There's no circumstance in your life that God cannot change now. And he will change for somebody. Because somebody's appointed time has come. In the name of Jesus. The Christian who is going to make progress in his faith must believe and settle in the power of God. Let nobody think that, you know, uh, that is negotiable. No, it's a relationship with the Almighty. The only thing is that this Almighty, I don't control him. That's all I'm trying to say. He's Almighty, he's God to me, I'm not God to him. That's all I'm trying to say. Because if you look at the Bible, everyone that dealt with God settled the issue of his power. I mean, you look at a man like Noah, and God comes to Noah and says, um, everybody in this earth is getting me angry. What, we're going to do something now. You're going to make an act. This is the design because I'm going to send rain to fall on all the earth, and everywhere is going to be flooded. But you and your family and as many as join with you and the animals you're taking will be preserved. Now, if somebody, you have a dream or you wake up and you hear a voice that says that to you, what's the first thing you're going to say? Who do you think you are? What? What are you talking about? But you see, there was something about Noah. He judged that this God that spoke to him, what? Is capable. This God can create rain. They had never seen rain. And this God does what he says. So he began to build the ark. What did he do? He believed the power of God. God came to Abraham and said, get out of your country, out of your family, out of your kingdom, to a land I will show you. And the Bible says, Abraham got up and left. Who does that? These men believed in the power of God. Praise the Lord. They believed in the power of God. That's what it is. Now, even in the New Testament, what happened at the beginning of the New Testament? The angel appeared to a virgin named Mary and said to Mary, Mary, you know, you found favor with the Lord. Blessed are you amongst women, all this and that. And you're going to bring forth a child. Mary said, okay. I mean, Joseph, we're going to get married soon. But she understood plainly that this thing God is talking about is not Mary and Joseph. It's Mary and God. Praise the Lord. You're going to conceive of the Holy Spirit. You're going to bring forth a child. He will be called the Son of God. And Mary said, okay, okay, okay. So no Joseph. This is another dimension. So she said, how can this thing be? Isn't that what she said? Every Christian must go beyond the level of how can this thing be? What was the answer the angel gave her? It says the power of the highest will do what? Will overshadow you. Every Christian must get to that verse 35. And know that that is true concerning every circumstance. Can you say it is true concerning every circumstance? The power of the most high will do what? Accomplish every purpose of God in my life. In your life. That is Christianity 101. Because anybody who doesn't believe in the power cannot be a Christian. It's just like healing. Oh, no. Physicians and doctors and medicines and all of that, they do their best. And when the doctors say there is nothing we can do again, don't panic. Begin to rejoice. Because it means that God has taken interest to gain glory in that matter. I get it what I'm saying. There is no sickness that the maker of the body cannot heal. You see, for, for those of us who are into cars... Many years ago, when I used to frequent mechanics, God has had mercy on me. I don't do that a lot. 
But when I was in Lagos, there was a time I wanted to transit from being a regular Igbo man to becoming a big boy. So I moved from the regular mechanics to the Lebanese mechanics because they had a reputation they were better. But what I realized was that while our regular mechanics will lose the uh, carburetor and, you know, be suffering to remove the sand inside, the Lebanese will condemn the whole top cylinder, everything. And then instead of paying the regular mechanic 2000 to fix, you pay the Lebanese 60000 And then you say they're better. They're not better. They just brought what the manufacturer made. Change. Keep the other one in their warehouse. Now, God is the maker of your life. He's the maker of your body. What part of you can he not change? Is somebody with me? There's nothing God cannot do. You settle that as a Christian. How can this be? And note very importantly there in that verse 35. Very important. The Holy Spirit showed that to me. It says, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will do what? And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Now, note something there, very important. That statement could have said, the highest power will overshadow you. Somebody needs to get that. You see, God has, once has that spoken, twice have I heard that word, power belongs. All power belongs to God. God has the highest power. But God is not power. Holy Spirit, help me. You see, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the highest power will overshadow. That's not what she, that she was told. He said the power of who? The highest. He was saying there is somebody operating it. It means that God is not electric that once you touch it, it will shock. What God allows to release current here may not release current here. Why? Because he's not power. He is the highest that has all power. When you say power, you enter into a level where it is a material, where it becomes a substance, where you say these are the properties. These are the properties of acid, metal. This is what it has. So as long as you study those characteristics of metal, you can make it to do what you want. That's what a lot of people have made God. They think they can make God to do like this. No, it is the power of the highest, not the highest power. So they say to Jesus... Lazarus whom you love is sick If it's the highest power phew, Lazarus will jump up But it's the power of the highest It's a power that operates with plan It's a power that knows what it's doing It's a power that has the end in view It's a power that looks at situations and says How do I get maximum glory here? It's a power that can be patient It's a power that can allow the devil things that he's having the best only for him to make a public spectacle of him. He's not the highest power. He's the power. How did I? I don't even. <laughs> Is somebody getting it? Because that's where we miss it. So when people rush to God, to him as the highest power, they say it's not working. No. Maybe what you went to is not working. But God is always working. For he that comes to God must believe that he what, is and he is what? Is a rewarder. He's not a reactor. He's not a reaction. I get in there. He's not a reaction. That is a level where people have, you know, kept their relationship with. So you go to God, and they, they told you He can do, it, He can do it. But when you go to Him, it's not done. They say, Ah, God can do it. No, He didn't, or He hasn't. But it doesn't mean He can't. Holy Spirit, help us. Give us insight. Give us understanding. 
the Christian establishes it because power on its own can be stored, it can be transferred, it can be moved like that. Our dad told us that the anointing is not in the atmosphere, it's on people. Okay, God made us, wants us in his image. So God has a personality. Praise God. And having a personality means God desires, God enjoys, God also is displeased. Okay? You can't really trace him, you know, because his ways are higher than our ways. But his thinking, his planning, his imagining, okay? So the Bible says God made known his acts to the children of Israel, right? But his ways to who? To Moses. That's how come whenever God brought the children of Israel to a place where there was no action, they say there is no God. But Moses, who knew the ways of God, knew that even if the water is bitter, you can call on God because he must have something up his sleeves. But whenever the water is bitter, what do those who know his acts say? Because this water is bitter, God is not good. Because I don't have this, God is not good. Because I haven't gotten this miracle, God is not good. Because you don't know him. But when you know him, when you see the because, you lift up your hands and praise him. Baba God has something he wants to do. Is somebody getting understanding? So, this is the God we are called to relate with. And there are dimensions in this knowledge of him, in this relationship with him. There are, there are dimensions. And the first dimension, which nobody here is at, is the dimension of the atheist. The atheist has said, there is no God. Okay? Now, you know there is another word for atheist. The fool. Thank you. Psalm 14 verse 1. It says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's what they want to say. And do you know why the Bible calls them fool? Can you put Romans 1, 19 and 20? It said, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. God has shown it to them. Okay? For since the creation of the world, his what? Invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are what? Without excuse. So anybody who says there is no God, you know, must really have some problems. How do I know that? I heard that when an ant is trying to lift up an object that is higher than it, it will keep trying and keep trying. After some time, it sends a signal to other ants. They don't have MTN. They don't have glow. How do they communicate? They send a signal. More will come. And you see them making effort, lifting, lifting. How do they communicate? If you look around your world, you will see that God is doing things. You see that God is the creator of this world. It couldn't have been an accident. That's how come the Bible can say they're fools. Because you can't look at this and say there is no God. But beyond that, there are those who say, okay, there is God. And to them, you know what this God is? This God is a multiplicity of things, you know. So they have the God that is like the bull. They have the God of fertility. They have the God of uh, this and the God of, you know, Shango. They have all kinds of, like our fathers and our cousins used to do. And that's what we find in Acts 17. Maybe later I can read it. To the point that I think in particular in verse 18, Paul noted that they had an altar. It says to the unknown God. That's how far they were trying to say, okay, there's God somewhere. But they were groping. They didn't know where exactly what it was. And then there's a level where you're certain there's God, but you worship whom you do not know. Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well, John 4, 22. He said to her, you worship what you do not know. So you can get to the level where you actually worship what you do not know. There's no revelation, but you know God is there. So you're making your effort, you know, 
I remember as a young boy, one or two times that I, I attended one of those uh, churches that I attend. And I shouted, it's pretty to them. And everybody around me didn't speak Latin. They did. So what did you go there to do? What did you go there to do? You know that once you come out, it would have been said you went to what? Church. That's it. You just know you went to church. But do you know that some people are even in the Pentecostal days. Some people are still at that level. You know you went to church to clear the guilt. Okay? So there is that level. But that's actually even better. There is the level where people shift God. Jeremiah 2, 11. It says, um, Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. You see, this is the level where you try here. You try there. You may say that you're trying a man-anointed person or whatever. But the truth is that you're trying different gods. Because if you knew God, if I gave you water to drink, and you drink water and it chokes you, will you turn to him and say, give me water to drink? This water won't choke me. Water is water, isn't it? Now, there's an understanding that is lacking. When people are shopping for God, shopping for God, shopping for God, that's what God was saying here. He said, has a nation changed God? What he's trying to say is that remain with him, remain with him. The Bible says of Zechariah and Elizabeth, it says that we are old and what? Stricken in age, and that we are found in the place of their service. They had not tried another God. You know why? Somehow they knew that this God, like we saw in Revelation 1, is the Alpha and the Omega. If you leave him, there is nobody that is going to help you. If you stay with him, behold, he comment. Praise the Lord, somebody. So there is the God that is traded. There is a God that is reinvented. Deuteronomy 32, verse 16 and 17. It says, they provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. It said they sacrificed to demons, not to God. To gods they did not know. To new gods. New arrivals that your fathers did not fear. The level where you're reinventing. Virtue as a Christian is patience. Virtue as a Christian is waiting. Those who wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. Those who wait. Waiting is part of the package. Praise the Lord. Jehovah Shab Shab is a new God. He's not the God of the Bible. Even for the Holy Ghost, Jesus said to them, Wait. Even when the Son of God was crucified, they, he, they didn't bury him and he jumped out. Three days passed. Hello? Waiting is part of it. Those that wait upon the Lord. He says, wait upon the Lord and be of good courage. Okay? So all those levels are there of, you know, gods where people don't know what they're doing. But much better than that, there's a level where we know God. You know, we've been exposed to him. But the only challenge with this level is that we have not discovered his nature. So this is the level where I call it transactional. The transactional level where you relate to God on a basis of give and take. That's the type of people that respond that there are 50 people here that God wants to take to, you know, zillion level. They are going to bring an offering of one, one million. Those one million here... Those $10,000, yeah, those. And when such people hear it, concluded deal. Because if I give God this, he will give me that. Now, you know what? I was there also. 
How many of us were there before? Until you found out that when you give this, the man of God receives it to give to you. God will say, I didn't send you. So over time, you will know that God does not do buy and sell. Are you with me? But do you know what? It works. Because they say, it's so easy. That one doesn't need faith. It's not faith. It's like you come and they say they're auctioning cars here. And you see cars, you know, beautiful cars like Pastor Go's car, Mommy Chi's car. They say, if you sow any car you came to church with here, God will bless you with that type of car. You see people struggling to exchange Kekena Pep for SUV. Isn't it? It makes sense. It is transactional. But when God says to a widow, take the last meal that you have and give to my prophet. Or rather, the prophet says to the widow, take the last meal that you are preparing to eat with your son. Make it first for me. Let me eat. And after that, if you're reasonable, what will you do? Thank God save that man of God. The widow would have entered house and brought out her code. You know the one that is her code? Peace. You see? The widow would have gone and say, what did you say? <laughs> Break the man's head. But you see, that's the God we serve. He's not transactional. He wants you to believe him. Every transaction that does not stretch your faith is not God. You see, he's so big. He's so big that he demands he must be trusted. He demands you must put confidence in him. He demands you wait on him. I remember at a point, I actually sat down and wondered, why is it that when you do business with some persons, you know, you pay and then you wait? Like those days, okay, still talking about spare parts and all of that. Sometimes there will be parts in my car that I'll need and we'll need to go to John Holt or some of that. If you go to my Igbo brothers, they will bring out the spare parts, keep it. The mechanic will check it and then you pay. Isn't it? But when you go to a place like John Holt, there will fill request form. You pay, drop it, and they say, come back on Tuesday and pick it up. What's the difference? One is that the person you're dealing with is your mate. So you can do exchange across the counter. The other level is that you're dealing with an institution. You must put confidence in them. How big is your God? Are you laying things at his feet saying, I know whom I believe. Are you saying he's my God? He will never fail me. Are you saying I can trust my life in his hands? I can trust my future in his hands. I can trust my destiny in his hands. I can trust my marriage in his hands. Are you saying my children, God must know what he's doing? Hallelujah. So that's the transactional level. But, but that's not where God wants us to be because when we're at that level, we, we miss on a lot of things. A classical illustration of that is what happened with Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10 for the one for the two. Martha, Jesus came to these people's house. This is a high level of it, okay? And Martha was making food for the master. How noble, how proper. Isn't it? Jesus is in your house. What should you be doing? Preparing for him what he should eat and enjoy. Okay, now Mary, Martha's sister, sat at Jesus' feet, listening to Jesus' words. And then Martha, better than the average mentality, wanted to prove to Mary that, Mommy spoiled you, I told you, you're a spoiled girl. And appeared to Jesus and said, Master, are you not concerned that my sister has left me, you know, serving and preparing everything? And he's here seated 
What did Jesus say to her? He says, Martha, Martha. He says, you're what? Worried about many things. He says, but what? One thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part. Have you asked yourself, what is that one thing that is needful? Didn't Jesus need to eat? Was he fasting? Is Martha a bad cook? But what was Mary doing? Mary was getting to know him. Now listen, Martha's physical exertion could make food for Jesus. But Mary's understanding helped her to anoint Jesus for her burial. Let's rise on our feet. There are levels. Is somebody hearing me? When you know him, you can operate at another level. Martha gave Jesus food that he ate today and the food wasted by night or tomorrow. But Mary did something that Jesus said. Everywhere the gospel is preached, what she did will be recorded. Why? Because one knew him. One just transacted. I have a visitor. Today, I want you to press in. There are levels in God. Are you with me? There are levels. Is it a wonder that that Mary was one of those who saw him first? Is it a wonder? How did she know? The disciples were even doubting. You will not die. Peter said, how can you die? We have not taken over yet. But Mary, Mary heard and knew there is a plan. All I've come to say to you this morning is this. God is bigger than you think. God wants to draw you close. God wants to bring you and open the plan and show you that I didn't make a mistake when this happened in your life. That all things are working together for your good. God is saying to somebody, if you can believe now, all things are possible. Somebody came to church and God sent me to tell you, I says, he is the resurrection and the life. He's not late. Are you with me? He's saying, if there's anything that came into your life that I couldn't handle, I would have blocked it. I'm the one who saw Satan's desire for Peter and looked at Peter and said, Peter can handle it. And said to Peter, Peter, Satan has desired. Satan hasn't come. He was desiring. Satan has desired to sift you as well. But anyway, I prayed for you that when you're converted straight... So Satan's attack had been converted for the strengthening of the brethren. Is somebody seeing how big God is? Can you just lift up your voice and magnify this God? Can you exalt him? Can you honor him? Can you take everything that has bothered you this morning and just worship him? He knows the time. He knows my timing. He knows my uprising and my downsetting. He knows the path that I take. He has ordered my steps. He is my God. He is the mighty God. Mighty to save. Mighty to deliver. He is almighty. Can somebody lift him high? Can somebody sanctify the Lord God? You are not disadvantaged. You are not abandoned. You are not forsaken. When Jesus was going to come, he went to a city that people said can a prophet come out of nazareth oh bethlehem of judea thou art the smallest amongst but out of you shall come a leader listen never despise your location because god is the master planner
He has glory. If you hold on, if you hold on, if somebody will listen to me today, I'm pressing into this God. Like the apostle Paul says, I said, I forget the things which are behind. I press in, I press in. I want to gain Christ. It doesn't matter what has happened. It doesn't matter what is happening. I am pressing into this God. I'm pressing into this Christ because he's beautiful, because he's lovely, because he's excellent. I am in a plan there is a plan the father is working out and i'm part of it i will not faint i will not give up i will not turn back i will not grow weary i will remain steadfast and somebody came and is weak the lord will give strength to the weak he will raise the one whose head is bowed down because all of a sudden you say to yourself my god is still there jesus is still there he is the captain of my salvation he is the champion of my faith he is the commander of the host above he is my god and if he be for me I want you to pray. We don't know he's doing something. We don't know. Even as a nation, he's doing something. In your family, he's doing something. In your children, he's doing something. In your body, he's doing something. Give him your faith today. Give him your faith. He's worthy. He's worthy. He is God. He's the personal God. He's the highest with all power. He's not just power. He's the highest. He's the wisest. He's the strongest. He's the most strategic. He is God. He is my God. He is my savior. He's my redeemer. He's the one who said to me, come and I will make you. He's the one who chose me and says, I ordain you a prophet to the nation. He's the one who said, I've chosen you out of the furnace of affliction. He's the one who said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. This morning, somebody lift up your voice, lift up your faith, lift up your spirit and connect with God. The song says, stay connected and connect. Let him perfect what he has begun and not turn him back. I'm not turning back. I'm not turning back. Joseph looked at his brothers and they were apologetic and he said to them, don't worry. You're meant it for evil. You're planned evil for me. But the God who is big, the God who has all power, he says he also overturned your evil for good. All things are working together for the man whose heart is set on pilgrimage. The man whose faith is placed in God. The man who is unwavering in his devotion and in his trust and in his confidence and in his expectation from Jehovah alone. He is God Almighty. Lord, we thank you. One prayer I'll just try and squeeze out. Please, if you can come on Wednesday, I really beg you to do. I believe there's much the Spirit of God wants us to do and understand from this that is saying to us. One prayer that I, I won't leave us without us praying is Lord help me to unveil my face help me help me you see we are with unveiled faces help me Lord some of our faces are veiled with fear some of us Nigeria is our problem the, the situation in Nigeria has so killed your faith in God listen to me what is happening in Nigeria 
sit back and watch the power of the most high will be revealed are you with me it's not over it is not over i told us at the throne room it's a story because god wants glory god didn't go for victory victory is common glory is only god that gets glory and for glory to come there'll be a story and there'll be a lesson so that people can sit down amongst others and say have you heard what the lord has done there's a story that is unfolding and god will gain the glory so don't let that affect your faith this morning unveil your face ask him i want to see you i want to see you high and lifted up for somebody's experience in your family you think this is impossible but with god not one thing shall be impossible unveil your face a track record of failure of disappointments unveil your face <laughs> door shot at you several times unveil your face for some of us is the trajectory you would have been okay listening to this preacher this morning but you see you have just been going down 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 let me tell you something when a seed is planted it doesn't go up 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 when a seed is planted it goes down and it goes down and it goes down at a point something happens the outer case breaks off says i'm done with that somebody's breaking off everything that is telling about failure because there's a shoot that is about to come up a faith is rising up you're believing the power of god you thought god was normal no he's almighty and his power there's no measure surprises <laughs> wonderful surprises miraculous interventions that's what he does He's the most high God. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ikenao Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158-404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. Dot org. God bless you.